Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day and welcome back to Voice of the Church. We're glad you could join us today. We continue our study on the book of Daniel looking at the continuation of Daniel 2, where Daniel makes known to Nebuchadnezzar the dream and its interpretation. As we begin our study today, we're going to be asking this question, if you had a vision of the future, how would it shape you today? Perhaps you could think of yourself being in the early 90s and learning and knowing of the future of Google. Would you make an investment in the early 1990s in this company that would go on to make millions and millions of dollars? Would your knowledge of the future shape the way you would live then? Because in this passage today, God gives King Nebuchadnezzar and also through him all the people of Babylon and all the people of Israel a vision of the future. He shows a people who has been conquered and exiled that he reigns supreme. And though there may be great and powerful nations in this world, There is only one kingdom that will endure forever. It is the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. As we think of the future, that is where we are called to make our investment. We are called to give our lives, our time, our energy for the glory of this God whose kingdom shall have no end. We begin then with Daniel's interpretation of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar has had in the earlier part of Daniel chapter 2. The dream was of a statue with a gold head, silver shoulders, a belly of bronze, thigh of iron, and legs mixed of iron and clay. As we go through the story, Daniel gives this interpretation to the king in Daniel 2, verse 37. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Then in verse 44, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. In the earlier part of this chapter, we saw that there is a real God living among his people, and he makes known mysteries to them that they may proclaim the way of salvation in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ confessing God to be the only true God in heaven and earth. Now, in the content of the dream, we see that God gives this message also to King Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan outside the people of God who needed to know and understand who God was. We see several things in this message. The first thing we see is this this statue of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and iron mixed with clay. Now, if you're a student of the Bible or enjoy studying the Bible in different ways, You may enjoy trying to see what each precious metal uh, represents in terms of the nations of this world. And sometimes we think of Babylon as the head of gold, as God himself tells us it is. 
the Medo-Persian Empire as the shoulders of silver, the Greek Empire as the belly of bronze, and then Rome as the iron, and iron mixed with clay. But whether that's true or not, we cannot know fully. But one thing we do know clearly, that whatever kingdoms, whatever empires are represented in the statue, they all pass away. They all fade. There's a message there for the world Whether we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or whether we do not, there's a message here. We can look at things in this world and be impressed with their beauty and grandeur. I still remember the first time I walked into a local stadium where the local Major League Baseball team played. And as I walked out of the tunnel into the light and saw the immense stadium before me and the field, I was in awe of the magnitude of the building I stood in. We can see many things in this world that are glorious, things man-made that man has done that are remarkable. We can see nations that have tremendous power and hold sway over many areas of the earth, but it doesn't matter how strong they are. All empires of this world will fade. In our lives, we often seek our comfort and our assurance and our confidence through things in this world. We may be so very thankful for family, and family is a great gift from God. We may look at our families as being the source of strength. We may be thankful for a wonderful home, and it's a great blessing to have a home. And we can look at that home as a reason to give thanks and be proud of ourselves. There are many blessings that God gives in this world. Yet here in this story, we are reminded that all earthly kingdoms pass. All earthly kingdoms fade. As precious as they are as a head of gold, As strong as they may be, as thighs of iron, they don't last. And the message that God is giving to King Nebuchadnezzar is of that very thing. God acknowledges the greatness of his kingdom. He acknowledges that Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold, and God has made him the head of gold. But then he turns around to say that in the days of these kings, the days of the kingdoms pictured in this vision, God himself will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. You know, when it comes to thinking of the future, we all want something sure. We all want something certain. In this passage of the Bible, God is teaching us there is only one thing sure, only one thing certain, is the kingdom of our God. And as we go through those ideas of the kingdoms, we may think of them as mentioned already, Babylonian, Medo-Persian, Greece, and Rome. And certainly we know in the time of Rome, in the little city of Bethlehem was born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, in this tiny little town of Bethlehem, God would send His Son to take upon Himself human flesh. That Son would not be impressive. He would not be born in a palace. He would not be born with servants to wait on Him. He would not have an army at His command. Well, He would, but it wouldn't be an earthly army. No, this Son of God would be born as a weak, needy, frail child like any other human baby. And yet, from the earliest days of this child, he would never sin. He would never fight against his God. He would never argue with his parents. He would never play a mean trick on his siblings. In fact, he would live his life so beautifully that he would live his life to heal and teach and instruct others working miracles by the hand of God, as indeed he himself was God, to bring life to the dead, sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. And this 
innocent child would live the perfect life and then he would die the death of the cursed as this innocent child would be condemned to the cross to bear the sins of any and all who would ever call upon the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us this kingdom was set up without human hands. This kingdom does not depend upon or rely on any kind of individual human power for strength. Our broadcast is called the voice of the church. But the church is not what God depends on for his kingdom. No, the church depends upon the Lord for his kingdom. We are not here to give God strength. We are here because God gives us strength. And the reason we have a voice is because God gives us a message to speak. God establishes and builds his church. God establishes his kingdom. He does so through a way that would seem foolish in the eyes of man because he sends his son to go to the cross and die the death of a condemned criminal that we might be saved through him. And he conquers that death and he rises victoriously from the grave that God may set up a kingdom which will have no end and a kingdom to which God will build it and grow it. One of the beautiful things of this kingdom is that it grows in its strength. It grows until it is a mountain that fills the whole earth and consumes all other kingdoms. This is how God's kingdom works. It is established upon his power and his strength. It is built upon his son. It grows through his spirit in the preaching of the gospel, which is why we have this message on the air today. You know, right now, God can build his kingdom by adding citizens to it. Right now, God can be speaking to people in their homes and their cars to let them know there is a true God. And when all things fade in this world, when all your money is gone, when all your friends are gone, when all your hope is gone, there is a kingdom that shall never fail and never fade away. And you can enter that kingdom by calling upon the name of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can find ourselves knowing that the things we do in this life are never in vain. I was once at the funeral of a young mother who left behind her a husband and three children. The minister preached on the resurrection from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he ended with this verse which comes at the end of that chapter in verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here we were at the funeral of a young woman who died and left behind her three young children and a husband. And the pastor dared to say this, Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why did he do that? Because he knew the message of Daniel 2, that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And what we invest for God, what we do for God, how we live for the Lord, it matters. It's never empty. It's never a bad investment. We'll never lose out when we give our lives to Christ. We may be mocked by our friends for standing for the Lord, but we will never lose out in the things of God because this kingdom is the one kingdom that will endure forever. What are you living for? If people were to look at your life and look at your priorities and look at the way you spend your time or spend your money, where would they see you investing? Would it be in the kingdoms of this world that all have their end in the same place they simply pass away? Or would you be investing your time, your money, your energy, your prayers in the kingdom of the Most High God? 
that abides forever, the kingdom of Christ that God himself establishes and God himself upholds. Today, as you go about your work, let it be done for the glory of your God. Invest in your workplace for the kingdom of Christ as you serve in your families, as you serve in your schools, as you work in your church. Let us remember what we labor for, the kingdom that has no end, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's blessings on your day.